This podcast is brought to you by Langley & Benack, a full-service South and Central Texas law firm that delivers the highest quality legal advice coupled with exceptional client service. From our main office in San Antonio, we provide the resources of a national firm while maintaining close ties to the communities in which we practice. To learn more, please visit us at langleybenack.com. That's langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600. Today's episode is part four of a five-part series on family law. This series is hosted by Sharla Davies. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the Langley and Vanak podcast are for information purposes only and should not be considered legal or professional advice for any particular situation. The presentation of this informational content does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website at www.langleybanak.com or call us at 210-736-6600. This is Charlotte Davies. I'm a board-certified family law attorney. Uh, I'm a shareholder at the law offices of Langley and Benack, and I am coming to you today from our offices in San Antonio, Texas. I wanted to go over um, another family law issue with you that, that doesn't get talked about that much, and it is, I'm divorced, and now what do I do? Um, because, just because uh, divorce is final doesn't mean you, you don't have anything to do. <laughs> so we've had our divorce granted. Um, what do we do now? So various times, uh, if you were, if you reached a settlement agreement um, or the judge uh, made a ruling on your case, um, there's still the issue of preparing the paperwork that goes along with that order, um, a final decree of divorce, um, an agreement incident to divorce. Those are uh, two documents that I use regularly. Um, the divorce decree itself, the final decree of divorce, is filed in the public record. Um, the agreement incident to divorce is not filed in the public record. Um, and the reason for doing that, um, and I don't always do it that way, but a lot of times I do because if there is any um, any kind of estate really to divide, um, and if it's more comprehensive, um, than just you get this, I get this. Um, I put it in an agreement incident to divorce because that keeps that information outside the public record. Um, as it is, I already use as little um, identifying information as possible um, in a final decree, meaning uh, last few digits of your social security number, last few digits of an account number. Um, just try to kind of maintain as much um, anonymity as possible for those things. So once you've got the divorce decree done or the agreement incident to divorce done, um, it's filed with the court, you're moving forward, um, what else could there possibly be? Well, most of the time, this is all done at one time, but you may, may or may not have done this simultaneously with the decree um, if you have a home and one of the parties is keeping the home. 
you and generally it's in both parties' names. You have to prepare um, and have the other party sign what's called a special warranty deed. Now, what that does is that takes that person's interest and it sign, assigns it to the party that's keeping the property. So, in the deed records, once the special warranty deed is filed, it will show only that party's name as the record owner. And that's you know obviously important for a variety of reasons because then it's all yours and you get to do with it what you want to do with it and you don't have to worry about getting the other party's agreement. Because um, generally, if you want a home and two people are on the deed, if there's anything done with, if you want to refinance, if you want to sell the house, both parties' names have to be uh, included on any documentation regarding that. Um, so once it's awarded to you, it goes into your name only. And so my office, we, we do, we prepare the special warranty deed um, if our party's receiving the house. And that's something that we file um, in the deed records of Bear, at Bear County Courthouse. Um, it's a separate department. Um, it's not the same as the district clerk's office where all of the lawsuit information is filed, where all your um, divorce pleadings um, and decree, etc., are filed. It's, this deals with just uh, real property in Bear County. One of the other things I do um, is if the other side is, if I'm on, on the side where my client is not keeping the house, but my name is uh, it's still on the note, which again, usually if you, you're both on the deed, you're both on the note, um, we prepare what's called a deed of trust to secure assumption. What that does is the party who is getting the house signs this deed and promises to pay the note on the house and if for any reason they fail to do that the party who is still on the note has the ability to cure their default so to speak and, and step in and foreclose and take over so they can protect um, their credit um, now most of the time though the situation is and this is what I always recommend is if one party is uh, being awarded the home the party who is not keeping the house um, needs to have their name removed not only from the deed but also from the uh, the mortgage um, because uh, the bank uh, the mortgager their third party um, they they don't care what the divorce decree says they will look to whoever signed off on that note whoever promised to pay and if it is not refinanced um, that would include both parties the one who got to keep the house and got to continue to live in it and the party who moved out and um, deeded their interest to the other party. So I always factor in a period of time for um, the party who's getting the house to refinance it. Um, and I, you know, it, it you know, it, I've seen people are able to fi refinance within thirty days. Some it takes a little bit longer. It just it kind of depends on the circumstances. Um, some people need a little bit longer to refinance because they need time to get their. Um, their finances uh, in order, get their own credit score up because maybe they weren't the primary on everything when they were together, um, when they were still married. So they need to build up their own credit history. Um, so that, that kind of just depends how long that takes. But definitely refinancing is important. Um, I even would include, will include a, include a provision that says if that party cannot refinance within a certain period of time, that the house has to be sold. Um, that's the only way to get the party who didn't keep the home, uh, get their name off of the note. 
Um, getting them off the deed is simple. Getting them off the notes is a whole other story. So those are just a few, um, those are just a couple of issues that, that go on post-divorce. Um, one of the other things is um, if there is someone who's awarded a, um, one party has a retirement, a 401k with their employer, um, sometimes um, that party gets to keep it, sometimes the parties divide it, sometimes it's 50-50, sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a different um, percentage depending on what else there is to divide, sometimes one party gets 100% of the other party's retirement account up to a certain, um, the day of divorce usually. And so there's a qualified domestic relations order that has to be prepared, um, has to be sent in to the um, plan administrator so that they can start processing um, the division of that uh, retirement account. Another thing that comes up, um, sometimes you will have one party decides um, they want to change their last name. Um, generally, in these situations, it can be the wife, um, and the court will restore um, the wife's maiden name. Um, and, and even if, if the parties had a situation where they joined both of their last names together, both of their names can be changed back to what they had before they were married. In that instance, um, I always you know, try to get a copy, this is what, as soon as possible, a copy, a certified copy of the final decree. Um, the clerk will also prepare a notice of name change um, for the party whose, whose name has been changed. Um, you need that documentation to take to the Social Security office to officially change your name. So it's not just a matter of, I have a decree that says this. There's more steps you have to take to actually get that taken care of. Um, and once you get that taken care of, then you can go to uh, Department of Motor Vehicles and get your driver's license changed. Um, you may have credit cards uh, that you want to get changed the, the name on. Um, I've had friends that had their um, their law license. They had they they got a new law license because they had a married name when they graduated, and um, they got divorced after they'd already received their license, and so they wanted to have the name change be effectuated through everything, and so. That those are extra steps that, that people have to do. There's extra steps you have to take to kind of get all that stuff squared away. And it does take a little time, um, and um, but it's important to kind of get these things done because, the, you know, again, it's not just here's a decree, I'm done, there's nothing else I need to do. There are more things you need to do um, to kind of make sure that the property, number one, the property division goes through accordingly. Um, most of the time, uh, some things are divided already, um, but sometimes there will be a period of time where one party has some furniture in the marital residence and they didn't keep the marital residence, so they'll have a period of time where they need to go pick that, that furniture up, those items of personal property. So you need to make sure that that gets done. You know, Generally, I always, if there's a situation like that, if they haven't gotten everything already, I think you need to have a deadline. You know, Otherwise, it can just sit there forever. Um, so it's kind of good to make sure you have deadlines on things like that. You have so many days to come in and sign these documents. Uh, so many days to go pick up your property from the other party. Um, anything that kind of goes along those lines. Um, if you have a joint account and one person's going to keep it, you're both going to have to go to the bank to take the other's name off. Um, that's all there is to it. Um, I've had to do it myself. Being divorced, I had um, uh, a joint account that was my 
my former husband. It was his account. He added me onto it. Uh, we got divorced, but I had to go in and say it was okay to take my name off of it, even though and even though the divorce decree awarded that account to him. I, you know, the decree itself wasn't enough for the bank, so that's something that you need to be prepared to do, um, just to kind of make sure everything's cleaned up and, and closed out. Now, if um, if somebody is if child support has been ordered. Um, another thing that needs to be done um, is, uh, I, I always tell people this, you need to set up an account with the Attorney General of the state of Texas. Um, it's something that you can do online, and it's something for both both parties to do, whether you're the one paying child support or you're the one receiving child support. Um, the Attorney General um, generally monitors all child support cases. Um, most of the time, and this is something I always recommend, is if one party is paying child support, whether my client's paying child support or my client's receiving child support, I always recommend that an employer's order to withhold income is used to take care of that payment. Um, that is automatically taken out of the payer's um, paycheck. To, you know, it's broken down per paycheck. So if you're paid twice a month, they split it in two. Um, but that money then goes to the state disbursement unit, which logs that payment and then sends the money to the parent receiving it. And a lot of people, people don't like that for various reasons, but um, at the end of the day, it's the best way to keep a good record of what has been paid. Because I have dealt with cases where um, people didn't do that and things get lost. And if the attorney general doesn't have a record of it, it's as if you didn't pay. And so that's that's not good for anybody. Um, that could cause a lot of problems. Um, so if you have it going through the attorney general's office from the beginning, that's the best thing to do. Um, but again, once um, you've got your account set up, um, if you are the party that is receiving the child support, you can um, have it sent to you in, in a few different ways. You can have a paper check issued and mailed to you. Um, they sometimes they'll give you a debit card to use um, and then they'll also um, electronically transfer the money into a bank account if you give them um, the wiring instructions um, I think the elect the electronic transfer does cost a little bit every every year it's maybe $25 a year for, for the fee to use that but I I've, that's what I've chosen to do and it, it's you know the money's there it's it's easy. I don't have to do anything. The banking part's done. So it's one less thing that you have to think about. You know, if it's automatically taken from the paycheck, the, the, the payer doesn't have to worry about writing that check every month. It's done for them. And if you're receiving it, if you have it set straight to your um, bank account, you don't have to worry about checking the mail. Um, you don't have to worry about any of those things. It goes into your account. It's there for you to use. It's, it's whatever, um, whatever works best for you. As far as your kids go, um, depending on the circumstances, um, if there's any kind of issue with the possession schedule or who has a right to know what information, you may want to provide um, a copy of the final decree to your children's school. Um, they can put that into your child's file. Um, it will allow them to know, you know, if, if, if only one of you is allowed to make um, decisions regarding education, it will show them who has the right to do that. Um, if you have a set schedule where, um, you know, one parent 
only has a, has a possession schedule. And if they were to try to come pick up the child early from school, um, depending on what the possession schedule says, they may, may or may not be allowed to do that. Um, for instance, if, if the parent's possession starts at the time school's dismissed on a, a certain Friday, they can't go early and pick them up without your okay. Um, and so it's a good idea to kind of have, at, at least give the teachers and the school administrators that information so they'll know what's okay and what's not okay. It avoids, um, it avoids a lot of upset feelings. Um, the other thing you want to do is you do want to make sure, even though you're divorced, that the other parent is still listed um, on the child's emergency contact information. Um, because that's that that's important. Um, you don't want to remove them from being able to get information uh, or to be contacted in the, in the case of emergencies. Um, those are things I've seen um, people have a hard time with, um, especially if and, and it just depends on who it is. I've had parents who've had to take their decree up to the school to show, look, I'm allowed to come see my child at lunch. I'm allowed to get information. I'm allowed to talk to the teacher. These are things that, um, if you can kind of just get them settled, then you don't have you don't have that to worry about that because there's nothing more frustrating, I think, is for a parent than to go to the school and be turned away because they've been told by one parent, the only parent that they've ever, they've, they've they've seen probably. Just to be fair, there may only be one parent who's had the most contact or they've had the most contact with. Um, they're going to hear that parent side side. And, Yes, we're divorced. Yes, I'm in charge. Well, that's not what the decree says. So no matter who you are, it's a good idea to provide that information to, to the kid's school. Um, if you don't have a problem with possession or access, you don't need to provide them a copy of the decree. Um, I think that's something, um, as, a, as a family law attorney, um, when I got divorced, um, my child was in elementary school. So um, it was never an issue for me. And, or or his dad and so for a while we just operated as however we needed to and I think the best compliment I ever received from one of the teachers or one of the administrators is we had no idea you guys were divorced you would never know and that's because you know we weren't fighting over who had what time and when um, we worked together to do the best thing for our son and I think that if you can do that that's great but you can't because it does happen. It happens more often than not. You know, you, you've got that decree available to you so that you can share it with whoever needs to, to have that information. Um, same thing goes for um, your healthcare providers. If you're the parent taking the child to the pediatrician, just make sure the other parent is listed on there um, and that they know that that parent can get information. Because again, I've seen this happen. I've had clients contact me. I've called the doctor. They won't tell me anything because I'm not in the file. Um, so again, you've got to take your decree and give it to someone else um, so that they know it's okay to give you information. I think if you if if the parties you know did that ahead of time, then it's um, it, it definitely will reduce conflict going forward if you make sure that the other parent is listed as well as you are. Um, on any of that, any of those things, pediatrician, dentist, whomever, orthodontist, you name it. Some of the other things that um, you need to, to kind of work out when, um, after you've gotten divorced, and this is something that you, you can do before you get divorced, a lot of people don't realize it, but you need to update um, any of your estate planning documents. 
and that can be, you know, some people have trust established, some people have a will, some people don't have anything. But when you're divorced, you definitely, it's, it's a good idea to have um, a will set, a will done, so that um, if something were to happen to you, uh, you've got somebody in place to kind of take over and um, take care of your state, um, take care of getting what, you know, whatever you wanted to go to your child to go to your child. Um, I get asked this a lot, is, is can I name somebody besides the other parent as a guardian? And you can. But generally, um, if one party passes away, um, you know, the right to have custody of that child goes to the surviving parent automatically, um, unless there's something going on that, um, where they don't have any kind of relationship or there's something else. Um, I always say, you know, the, the, other, the surviving parent's going to get the, the first option, but it's always a good idea to name one or two alternate guardians just in the event that, that you know, something else happens, just so that you've got... Um, You've got that in place for your child if in the event something happens to you. Um, same thing goes for your insurance documents. Um, if you have life insurance, um, you need to designate a beneficiary. A lot of times people have insurance through their employer. Um, it automatically is your other spouse, but if, if you're divorced, you need to get that updated. So, um, and a lot of people don't, you know, don't think about these things because they're there and we don't think about them. Um, but you have to go and make sure you've got another beneficiary designated for um, your 401k if you have one at work, um, your bank accounts. Um, it's, it's always a good idea if, you're, if you have a bank account by yourself, name somebody who can have that account, um, have access to the account in the event of your death um, because if you don't have somebody listed on there, they're going to have to go through probate and spend money to get to the money that may be needed to take care of, you know, funeral expenses, anything for your children. Um, so that that's part of the, another step is, is making sure your estate is, is squared away um, and everything has been updated um, where you're comfortable with, with who, who your beneficiary is. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but your child cannot be your beneficiary on a life insurance policy. They're not old enough. Um, so it's always a good idea to name someone, an adult, whether it be another family member you trust. Um, it could even be your former spouse. Um, and a lot of people think, well, I've already got them on there. I just leave it like that. That's not how it works. What you've got to do is you have to redesignate them as your beneficiary because the divorce automatically cuts them out um, from being a beneficiary on life insurance. So on occasion when that has occurred in cases that I have, I definitely include in the decree that, okay, this policy, we're going to redesignate um, your spouse as your beneficiary post-divorce so that the insurance company knows that it's okay to give that money um, to your former spouse. It doesn't happen a lot, but it has happened on occasion. So if it's something that you, you know, you didn't address it in your decree, you know, this life insurance is just a term life policy. There's no, there's no asset. It's just there. You still need to redesignate um, a beneficiary. And uh, a lot of times, you know, you may want the other parents to have the ability to access that money to take care of the child in the event of your death. Or you may want to have, you know, your brother or your uncle or whomever you trust kind of monitor that. Um, it, it, it's just, it's, 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 good, it's good stuff to think about um, as a parent. Um, you definitely need to have a will put in place. 
Um, that's one of the first things I did after having my child and I've had to update it a couple of times. But other than that, um, you know, those are things that I think everyone needs to kind of make themselves a checklist. And I try to go over this with my clients, um, is, is, is let them know, here's this document, this is what you need to do with it. Or here's this document, um, I've already taken care of sending it to the appropriate, um, I've sent it to the Bear County uh, deed records. Um, but always keep, keep copy of your decree. Um, and these days it's a lot easier. You can keep a, a copy um, on, your, on your phone, on your computer. You can keep an electronic copy. You don't have to have a paper copy. Um, but always it's good to have one on hand in case there's any, any question about anything. Um, most of the time, you're not going to have to look at it. Um, occasionally you do. But um, it's, it's a good idea to kind of have everything um, in, in one place and then, you know, your decree and any of your estate planning documents um, so that whoever needs to get them can get to them. Um, the more things uh, you think about ahead of time, the better off um, it'll be for, for your loved ones in the event that there's you know, some, uh, an unfortunate tragedy that um, hope no one has to go through. But when you have all the information in one place, it makes it a little bit easier on, on your loved ones. Um, so I hope that this has been informative. Again, this is a, a complete comprehensive um, list of things to do. Um, these are kind of the, the big things that I see on a regular basis. There may be something different depending on your case. But um, again, part of what I do is try to help you get through, you know, past the divorce, get everything kind of squared away so you can keep moving forward. Um, and hopefully you don't have to come back and talk to me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I really appreciate everyone listening, and I hope you all have enjoyed the series. Um, again, it's uh, been a pleasure. I hope everyone's staying safe, and good luck to everyone in the future. Thank you for joining us today for the Langley and Benack podcast. Please subscribe to get the latest updates. If you would like to meet with one of our attorneys, please contact us through our website, www.langleybenack.com or call us at 210-736-6600.